Good. So um, I'm Larry. Nice to meet you, Eric. I'm Eric. Nice to meet you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, are, are you going to do with your camera off? Because that's okay if you do. Um, that's what I was asking her. I wasn't sure if the, because it doesn't show the camera's on. It's not on, is it? No. You want it on, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll get with it on there. Okay. Hi. Hi. Hey, Eric. Hey, hey I don't know uh, if you wanted to read like some of your book, just like a little, like, you know, like a little page or whatever, uh -huh. like the intro to your book on the show. Um, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Cool. Um, like an intro of the book or? Oh, or, say that again. Um, just a, any particular spot in the book? Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. That, that you think would grab like, you know, like, uh, like the listener's attention. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could do that. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, is that how, is that how you want to start off or? Uh, no, no, because uh, once we start, oh, go ahead, Eric. No, we'll usually, we'll ask you to do that around the middle of the episode. Yeah. The first about five to 10 minutes is going to be me and Larry doing some banter back and forth. And then Larry will segue into you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, sounds good. Cool. Right. And um, when I give our call off, don't hang up because we like to do a wrap up with the guest afterward. Okay. All right, and we're recording. And five, four. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. My God, Larry, it feels like years since I've said that. Forever. I know, I know. And, you know, every every podcast we do, it seems like it's been for years. But you know what, man, that's what it that's what it's like when you start getting busy, which is good. Exactly. Busy is always good, right? Uh, yeah. But. You have to have like uh, you have to have not a pastime. You have to have a hobby, right? Yes. Now, before before we start a record, like I have an amazing like. Okay, so people that that listen to the show, you know that Eric is a walking encyclopedia of pretty much you know horror films and really any kind of films. Yeah. Um, and uh, it it was brought to my attention as we were kind of talking about a movie like that I had seen that I had streamed on, you know, on, uh, on Amazon prime. And I was quite surprised, Eric, at your uh, response. You were like, really? I've never heard of it. And then you went as far as to ask me what, what platform it was on. And yeah. I was super surprised. Right. But again, most people, I have every streaming service, and I'm not joking when I say that. I have Discovery Plus. No one else in the world has that. Well, I, I do. There's, I, there's two people. Well, you have mine. <laughs> and no, I had no. I, I had, got my own. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. Wow, yeah. I had BritBox for a little bit. Well, okay, that's good. That's good. Wow. 
But okay, so what movie did you see? Because again, I am convinced you don't like movies at all. <laughs> it's the Samaritan with um with uh Sylvester oh Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah, yeah, his like oh. retired superhero movie. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, so so I'm surprised. Now, is this a comic book? The Samaritan. No, it's not based on that I know of. It's not based on anything. Really, man, it's a really great story. I was like, whoa, and it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. It's really? recommended for seven year seven year olds and up because my niece was starting to watch it with me. She came in and she was like, whoa, this is cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everybody out there, if you're Arnold, uh, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but a Sylvester Stallone fan, it's a pretty good. It's he did really good. You know, Sylvester Stallone's a really good actor. I have to say, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I think because people just don't understand. I think the Rocky sequels are yeah. what make. Even though I enjoy, like Rocky Two is okay, but there's the whole people think about the jokes of how many sequels there were and you know they make fun of it for that but you look at the first two rockies dude that is some serious acting going on in those movies oh yeah oh yeah yeah and you know i love amc because they always play rocky like five backwards because they know everybody's yeah. gonna be gone right but rocky one you watch rocky one sylvester stallone is he's pretty great he's pretty amazing so yeah yeah, yeah. and i Thought mean the man up. the man ended communism in russia in rocky five that's right <laughs> i am proud to say i know that entire speech by heart <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh eric oh man man I've, i have missed like doing our show my gosh we got to do our show more often when actually we are because we've got some really cool guests coming up so we do you know it's gonna be a we're near the tail end of the month that's crazy i know it, it's it's wild and crazy you know we've been trying to, so here in, i'm in texas and we've been baking right we've had like all oh, summer yeah. three months straight of 100 plus like you know like degree mm. weather it's been crazy and and on top of that there's humidity too so just like here in Jersey, it is 88 degrees oh. now here's an interesting thing larry a lot of people don't know this but new york and new jersey have a southern cousin because when you wait, when you hit a certain age in New York or New Jersey or anywhere else in the uh -huh. Northeast, it is a, a law, a mandate that you move to Florida. And I think Florida, you know, it's the home of the newlywed, as Stephen King said, the newlywed or the nearly dead. <laughs> no man, if you're if you're a person who lives in Brooklyn, eventually you're gonna end up in a retirement home in Florida, in Boca Raton. And our guest, Larry, is in Florida and wrote a very interesting book. Um again, about a kind of a Florida icon. So tell us about our guest. Yeah. Well, number one, Eric, welcome to the show. Eric Sandy, you have really a really great book and it's it's 
it's interesting that you call him uh, the real king of Miami, right? Right. Yep. And and it's based on which is a really unbelievable story um, of how your book kind of came to be. Um, it's it's you call him the real life Scarface, and that when you say that that kind of connotation brings up like, you know, Al Pacino cutting people up uh, in a bathtub and all kinds of crazy stuff. So tell us uh, a little bit about your book, but even more so about Ray Thompson, who your book is based on. Okay. Well, I I guess it started when I was approximately 11 years old. I had uh, an uncle that uh, he was like a hippie and his best friend worked for Ray Thompson. And he was, a, they were young, you know, back then I was 11 and they were in the early twenties to me, they seemed old, but uh, looking back, of course, they were just kids. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, my uncle, his name was, his tall skinny dude. So they nicknamed him Bones. So we called him Uncle Bones. And his best friend, like I said, he worked for Ray and, uh, so he he was a smuggler. He wasn't like a hitman or anything like that. He just he just had he just had balls. He would he would uh, um, yeah he would get on these big yachts and, and basically didn't didn't uh, just wasn't scared at all about bringing in you know a sixty foot yacht with you know fifteen thousand pounds of weed on it and they. Bring it right in through the, the uh, inlet down in uh, Port Everglades in South Florida, and uh, <clears throat> but uh, the guy, the, you know, my, my uncle's best friend, the guy had the back then our house was like fifty thousand bucks, you know, and, and his best friend he's driving a fifty thousand dollar Porsche, fifty thousand dollar BMW, you know, they cost as much as our damn house, and I'm thinking, so we would go to his house, you know, and he lived, you know, he lived out west. And he had like three and a half acres out there, good size house, and had a game room in it, and you know five thousand dollar pool table. And I used to you know, love shooting pool, so you know I'd sit there and watch him and uncle sometimes, and they could, they could just run the table, they'd play all night if they wanted to, and never lose a game, you know. But they would go out to bars and hustle people for drinks, shit like that, you know, and just take a drink all night and never really have to pay anything, just going to the bars, you know, hustling people. But uh, <clears throat> So it was it was uh, it was pretty fascinating for me to to go over to his house and I mean the guy's got you know uh, jet skis uh, <laughs> you name it man motorcycles three wheelers uh, boats you know, he, he had like twenty cars there different trucks hot rods he had like an old back then he had like a street rod that was like thirty five grand back in the day thirties uh, uh, street rod and I saw it all kind of you know, got my attention and that's when I started kind of wanting to know what's going on and how they doing all this. Where's the money coming from? Right. And uh, of course, uh, you know, the guy, Robert, he always used to speed a lot because all of his different cars. And so he, he had like, he showed me one day when I'm like 12 years old, he's got like two or three different IDs, you know, from different states, all this shit. Like, wow. And this is crazy, man, to know somebody that does that stuff. And and the Porsche, it was a 911. You know, that's the, you know, wow. that's the Porsche, you know. And, I mean, he had it lowered and uh, put a roll bar in it. Got the custom 
I mean, he just put as much money as you can put in that damn car he put in it. And uh, and then he, our, he just slept at our house for like a year. You know, we didn't have a garage, man. Just sat out in our front, <laughs> our front uh, driveway. And we kind of lived in a rougher part of town, you know. But uh, it was the damnedest thing ever, man. His Porsche was about as much as our freaking house. But my dad was older. He didn't drink or smoke. So he was real responsible. So this guy, he knew my family his whole life. So he knew, he, hey, I could, I could leave my car with... You know, with my dad and he'll she will change the oil the thing will be detailed i'll get it back over a weekend he'll have a blast driving the bmw for a weekend and i'll get it back detailed oil will be changed you know the whole spiel you know and so he would just let my dad you know just have the stuff he just he was a generous guy you know and uh so that's so that's what i i knew a lot about him and how he made his money and uh, of course you know my father would say oh no he's not a Cause I'd say, hey, I heard that guy's a drug smuggler. My dad said, oh, he's his family up in Tennessee. They got all the money because all his cars they had Tennessee tags on. Because Robert didn't have nothing in his name, and uh, <clears throat> even the guy, Little Ray, you know, Ray didn't have anything in his name. Not one. He had a bunch of Corvettes, all kinds of houses, property. Never had one thing, a single thing in his name ever. So they couldn't trace one thing to him. You know, the feds and they were looking for him for a while, but. So the guy, Robert, was pretty cool to me. I mean, it was somebody that was always partying. I mean, he had old hot rod Camaros, you know, jacked up 69, and he'd be partying with my uncle, drop him off at you know, 12 o'clock at night, and he's driving, and my uncle came hardly get out of the damn car. My uncle's falling on the street and shit, and this guy still got it all together and got to drive home, and, you know, I'm like, damn, these guys, these guys could do some partying. But, you know, I later found out that they would, they would get like a kilo of cocaine, man, you know, and, and pretty much – you know, the guy, Robert, when they would come back, you know, after bringing in some loads, they would, uh, he'd go take off sometimes and, you know, he'd leave his girlfriend and grab a couple other chicks and a couple of his buddies. And they'd, they'd snort a kilo of cocaine over the damn weekend. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, it's un- unbelievable. Yeah, it's just uh-huh. unbelievable how much they used to party. I mean, they blew it as fast as they made it. But <clears throat> the guy, Robert, they, the guy that I knew, he, they, <clears throat> they nicknamed him the Kamikaze Kid because he made five trips in one week. He would just go out there and basically Ray would pay him $50,000 for every load they bring in. And then at the end at that night, you know, you come back to the arena that night and you help unload. And if you did a lot of work and you worked your ass off, he'd give you like 25 grand just to help unload all the shit off the boats and put in the tractor trailers and all that stuff, you know? And uh, so it was a pretty, pretty wild operation he had there. And the, the guy Robert, that you know, the guy that I know, he basically he he would uh, hire these old people to sit on the back of these big mega yachts back then. And Robert, he was a young kid. He would he would be captaining the boat, just looking like them old people on the boat, and they're paying this guy to drive the boat. And the, the old people, he would you know he'd give them like thirty thousand bucks, and they didn't have to do shit. And he basically he would tell them, hey, you know, when when they go meet the the freighter out there, the mothership. Every bell that gets put on this boat, you got to click here. You just click it for each bell that gets put on this damn boat. And that was their job, you know? Wow. And they would just sit there and drink champagne and, you know, he'd be good. It's just a trip over and back. And, and he had a bunch of them out there that he paid like that. But uh, <clears throat> I, uh, it, it was a crazy time because my dad was never into any drugs or anything, didn't smoke, nothing. And he even got lured into it because my uncle Bones, that was a hippie, you know, he knew all these people because we were bound in South Florida. We knew everybody. You know, everybody knew everybody back then, you know, kind of, you know. Yeah. And, 
<clears throat> so he knew a guy that knew some people and my dad knew some Bahamians and we would, these Bahamians, my dad would pick them up off the chalks airplane that would fly from Bahamas from Bimini right over to, to Miami down there. And <clears throat> my dad said he, I mean, I met these guys They'd be like jet black guys, you know, real dark black and wearing black suits. I'm not bullshitting, man. They, they looked like Mr. T with all the necklaces. Wow. And, uh, I mean, they'd have Rolex watches and all completely all diamonds. All, I mean, back then, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> they, uh, my, my dad said they would come through the chalks and he'd have to go through the metal detector. He said it'd take him 10 minutes just to take all his damn necklaces off. And he said, never once would they check. He would come in with two briefcases every time and one would be full of cocaine and one's full of cash. And he said they never, ever once looked at his open masses briefcases, but they asked him to take his jewelry off so he could get through the metal detector. And he probably had them all paid off, you know? Wow. But it was interesting. He's kind of characters, you know, coming over to the house. And they were, they were totally cool, but they were the ones I think that my dad had got the cocaine off of. And the guy that my uncle went, was roommates with, well, I guess he had, he had gotten some trouble. So he turned into a freaking rapper. He would just go set me up. And so he was telling my dad, hey, I, you know, I know some guys want to buy some coke. You know, somebody's got some of that. Like, I know somebody's got some. You know, and the shit the guy was bringing over was like pure stuff. And my dad probably never even did a deal before that. And that was probably his first deal. And uh, and basically these undercover cops that came over from school one day and these undercover cops were at the house. They're, they're acting like drug dealers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, my dad's like, hey, you guys get, get out of here. I'm going to go get some food. You know, come back in a couple hours and be left. We're just, man, something's going to feel right. You know, something's ain't right with them people in there, man. They're kind of weird. And uh, and they probably were weirded out because they're thinking, hey, man, if shit hits the fan, there's a shootout here. You got all these freaking kids here. You know what I mean? So yeah. cops probably didn't know what the hell to think when we were there. They definitely gave us some bad energy vibes. I know they did me. You know, I was just like, man, there's freaking weird people in my freaking house right now. You know? And we got, we came back. You know, we went and ate. We got some pizza, came home. Just all my neighbors, they just came out and came over to us. I'm like, hey, your dad got arrested, man. There was SWAT guys all down the street hiding around all the houses, behind the cars, all around, you know, all over. I'm like, holy shit. So that's why we moved from South Florida to Central Florida. <clears throat> and um, so we kind of moved up to, you know, near the Daytona, maybe between Daytona and Orlando. And that's where my other family was. My dad figured, you know, I can be up around my family while he goes to prison. Yeah. So my dad basically just started working and was trying to work and make as much money as he could to have my, my stepmom while he was in prison to take care of me. So one day he's he's trying to get his trial extended. He says, hey, I'm going to take you to South Florida with me. And, you know, he said, I'll take you and I'll drop you off at your buddy's house while I go visit my attorney. You know, the guy that lives across the street from me, basically, out in our old house. I said, okay, cool. So he drops me off there. My buddy, he's he's out playing baseball, practice, shit. So he never he never even came home. And so his dad was like, hey, you know, watch, you, know, you can watch TV here, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm watching TV. And next thing you know, this bulletin just comes right over the freaking TV and just stops and says, you know, 13 people were indicted today by what is known as the, the largest drug smuggling operation in you know, this government's history. And they start showing these people, I'm like, shit, man, I don't really know the people, you know? And uh, then I saw Robert's face on it, the guy that I knew. I was like, holy shit, I can't freaking yeah. believe it, man. Can't believe this guy like my idol. I sit there and see him on TV, knowing that knowing that the whole operation's over, man. And they're like, "Yeah, this guy had a 
big operation. You had old people sitting on the boats in the in the bay, acting like they're sipping champagne, but really there's crazy drug smuggling going on behind closed doors. And and uh, so when my dad got back there from his attorney, he comes in the house. First thing I tell him, I say, "Hey man, they you know they, they're looking for Robert on TV." And they were like, 13 people were indicted." Actually, I didn't even know what it meant, but I figured they meant that they were looking for him. You know that the shit was over. You know. Yeah. And you know, my dad goes over the my dad goes over the phone and pulls out his wallet and looking for Robert's phone number. <clears throat> he calls him on the damn phone. He's like, Hey man, Eric just saw you on the freaking TV, man. You know, the police are looking for you. Yeah. He's like, Holy shit, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, No, man. And then he just hung up and that was the last we ever heard of him or, or seen of him until wow. I finally got to hook up with him like three years ago. You know, really? Wow. Yeah, like uh he was just a young kid there. He looked like a young Jimmy Buffett, man. Now he's got mm-hmm. a long beard. You know, he lives in Tennessee in the mountains, man. And, uh, you know, I went up there and visited him and told him I was writing this book. And I said, hey, man, if I make some money off of it, I'll give you some money, you know, because he's yeah. kind of poor, you know what I mean? It's a, yeah. Like cable and shit up there where he lives. Man, he just watches freaking uh, VCR movies over and over, you know what I mean? When I went up there, it's like they didn't bring a cable out here, you know? Wow. He didn't have a dump or nothing, but he just didn't bring the cable where a guy lives. And uh, so it was pretty amazing to me to see see the guy on TV. You know, it's like, what the chances that shit happening? You know, and, and over the years, you know, I tell people some of these stories that I just couldn't believe. And everybody's like, man, that, that should be a movie. You know, I'm like, like that's that's what I think too, man. I just I think that uh, me as far as any movies that I've ever seen in my life, no matter how hardcore they are, you know, even Scarface the movie with Al Pacino. Yeah. I mean, the grossest thing in that's probably, you know, the chainsaw scene, right. you know? And and I remember when that movie came out, my, you know, I, you know, we got home, my dad was in jail, and I'm talking to my stepmom, and I'm like, geez, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know, because he didn't even tell my stepmom anything. She didn't know nothing, man. She didn't know anything. That's where my dad is, man. He don't have a problem keeping a secret, because he knows it ain't going to do her any good to tell her anything. So he didn't tell her shit. So she didn't know what the hell was going on. And, uh, and she's like, I don't know, maybe that movie Scarface, you know, he watched that movie Scarface and that inspired him. And, you know, when he got out of jail and shit, you know, like years later, or I don't know how long ago it was, how much later it was, maybe not years, but maybe months. I was like, yeah, she said you watched that movie because he wouldn't even let me watch it back then. I was too little. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, watching that freaking movie. I was like 12 or some shit when it came out. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, no, you're not watching that. And she, I said, she, you know, I said, you know, mom said it was. Because you watch the movie Scarface, that's what made you want to do this stuff. And you're like, what the hell would you get that from? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen a freaking movie. I couldn't tell you, you know. But uh, but it was a it was a it was a crazy, just a crazy thing to to be around and see and just witness some of the stuff. Like these the Bahamians, they came over and they want to go to the Super Bowl. And Tampa, the Super Bowl was in Tampa. And they call my dad, they say, Hey, uh, you know, we got a motorhome, you know. Um, we're gonna, you know, we want to take it over to Tampa, watch Super Bowl. You know, we'll take you over, we'll get you in the, in the, see the game, and we'll give you thirty five hundred bucks. All you gotta do is just drive the damn motorhome for us. Wow. You know, back then, you know, my dad's like, hell yeah, I'll do that deal. And they're yeah. like, and they're like, hey man, why don't you, why don't you bring your sons too? You know, and they, shit, I'm, I'm like twelve or some shit. My brother, he's fourteen, and, and they were just cool dudes. They were cool with us, man. They yeah. talked to us and stuff. You know, they just were. It was crazy how they would just talk to us and be cool with us, like we were. Yeah. I know it was just it was just it was just weird how they were totally cool with us, you know. Yeah. 
and gave us the time of day. Most people who see the Twitter kitchen, you want to talk to them, you know, but mm-hmm. well, I guess we were different, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, my dad tells me years later, he's like, he's like, yeah, when they came over the house, you know, they, they were asking me to take you guys too to the freaking Super Bowl. And I told he he's, he says I told him no, and I said no. He goes, he goes yeah, he goes. They got the table sitting, and I got a big old mound of cocaine there. You know, <laughs> okay, because I can't bring you guys around that shit. You know, <laughs> God. But he 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 said they had some uh, some connections. You know, he said they went over to Tampa and got in like the front row seats of the best like uh, you know bar restaurants that were there, piano restaurants that were high class. Yeah. He said they had some connections, but uh, it was. Uh, it's just a pretty pretty cool to me to see that that type of stuff, and the fact that they even the guy Robert that that we knew and that was you know that was the guy that I idolized. I remember every year, you know, come Christmas time, you know, my stepmom she put the Christmas cards on her key, on her on her tree, and every year I'd see a Christmas card from him. Yeah, I'm thinking here's this guy, he's freaking crazy man. He does all this shit in his life, but yet. He still can send us a Christmas card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, kind of, and I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Just, it's just different. Yeah, it's something I just never forget. I just thought, man, this guy's got all these cars, all this life, all this shit he does, and and he can make sure that we got a Christmas card every year. Wow, wow. That and even that... even to this day, man, on Facebook, he's on Facebook. I see him on Facebook a lot, you know. He lives out in the middle of nowhere, so all he does is all these old music. That's all he does is shares all these old songs, you know, from the <laughs> 70s and 80s and shit, you know? That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. He, he uh, but uh, I forgot what to say about that, but yeah, he's just living a pretty simple life up there, man. Yeah. When, uh, I was going to ask, when, so at what point, like, had you met, like, Ray Thompson? Um, I met, uh, I met him, I would say it was probably 2012. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I met, I met him, um, I, cause I originally, I didn't know much about Ray. I just knew about Robert and yeah. his life. And I said, I said, I can write a book about this guy's life. And, and then when I started getting into it a little more, I, uh, I realized that Ray was still alive. I said, damn, this guy's still alive, you know? And uh, so I started to reach out to him, and uh, you know he first told me he says, "Hey, I'm not talking to you at all unless you give me ten grand up front." Shit, I don't have ten grand, so I can't. okay. Now at this point, is he in prison or is he? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he was in prison. Really? Yeah. And he so, wanted ten grand even in prison. That's amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he he, uh, he you know he had some balls, man. You know. Yeah. But uh, but I respected that about him. I, I liked that. I, it kind of was like a like a cool you know I, I don't know characteristic to still have when you're in that position and right. you're old mm-hmm. and stuff. And and he really was struggling. I mean, he definitely he had pretty much run out of all his family. They all run out of money and stuff like that to give him. And from what I hear in there, if you don't have any money, it's pretty it's pretty shitty, man. You know he. he he basically told me you get one roll of toilet paper a month, and if you run out, you can buy some from other people. It's twenty-five cents a square, you know, for a piece of freaking toilet paper. And to buy, you know, buy anything in there, you know, deodorant or any razor or anything, comb. You know? So, 
I said, well, I don't have that kind of money, man. I said, but uh, I said, I'll send you 150 bucks a month, you know, and I said, that should help you get you through and maybe, you know, and uh, he, he was like, okay. And then, then I went and I went and met him. It took me a while for him to, to actually, you know, trust me. And cause right. basically he told me Roy Black was his attorney and Roy Black's still an attorney to this day. He's like one of the most expensive attorneys in Florida, you know? Like Justin Bieber got in trouble a few years back, and that's what he used Roy Black, and he was hot riding a Ferrari down there in South Beach, you know, and said he used Roy Black, you know, and even to this day. But, but uh, yeah, so Roy Black basically told Ray, hey, uh, you know, don't talk to anybody in here, no matter what, you know, just do your time, shut up, and not, nobody's going to help your cause in here. So, if you, you know, if you want to maybe get out here someday, best thing for you to do is just mind your own business. And and at that time he was actually you know on death row. You know, wow, jeez. When he told him that, you know, and and he went to he went to trial, and they didn't have not one not one bit of evidence, not one bit of evidence. Mm. And I don't know if you remember the movie Cocoon. Mm-hmm. Remember that, like the old people. You know, you're talking about the old yeah. people in Florida. You know, they yeah, they yeah. Find the in the pool and they all get that energy and all that stuff. Well, the people that did the filming on that. They, they actually hired those people to basically scour the, the ocean floor where they thought that the guy where they, the guy that Ray had killed down there. So they were trying to find evidence and they, they searched and searched and searched, had search teams out there. They never could find anything, you know, not a, a shred of any evidence. And basically one of the guys that worked for Ray, he was like the craziest dude. His name was Bobby Vegas. He was like a guy that would just kill anybody. If Ray said they go kill that guy, he'd go right up to him and kill him. That's the kind of kind of dude he was, you know. Oh. And uh, probably still is to this day. I think he's still alive. Wow. He's a yeah. He's the one that was in Wits. They put him in Witsack protection. But uh, so basically, they they he went to trial and there was no evidence. So Ray Ray's thinking he's going to walk. There's just no evidence, you know. And so they come back, the jury comes back and they say, you know, we, we see what happened here. And basically what happened is, you know, a guy stole 600 grand from Ray, a guy that he knew was a really good friend of his for you know, 20 years. Mm. And uh, so he steals 600 grand from Ray and Ray finds him. The guy that I actually, the guy, Robert, that was like my idol. Yeah. He, he was in a bar one night because he lived way out West out west boca you know we lived i lived kind of closer by 95 kind of more of the inner city and kind of rougher area where i lived mm-hmm. he lived probably like six seven miles west of the west of the beach which back then it was just all country you know yeah. and robert had three acres and the guy the guy that stole the money from ray his name was jimmy savoy well he had bought a trailer out there way out in the middle of, out in the middle of nowhere and he would go to that bar and back then, that bar was kind of by the Broward County, Palm Beach County line. So that bar would be open half the night because Palm Beach County back then was just a small, small county. They didn't even have cops that would even go out way out in the middle of nowhere just for some bars. So they'd have lax uh, drinking laws and all that. So they'd drink all night and different laws like that, whereas Broward County was more strict, you know. And uh, so he had moved into a trailer way out in the middle of nowhere when he sold the money from Ray. And... uh he basically went to the police and was telling the police all this stuff about Ray. Hey, I know his houses, all this different stuff. And so anyway, so the, the guy that I knew, Robert, he went to the bar one night and the guy, Jimmy Savoy, just happened to be in the bar drinking. 
And Robert looking at him like, hey, man, my boss has got a contract, $100,000 contract on this dude's life. And he sees him and he just can't believe that he sees him as more. I mean, every place, any place to be on this planet, <laughs> yeah. he's there, you know what I mean? Right. And he, he can't believe it. And I, you know, the police, they had actually went to all the different pay phones in that area and could see everywhere where Robert tried to call Ray, you know, and all these different numbers and areas. And like Ray had an escort service, you know, he tried to call everywhere that he could get a hold of Ray to say, hey, this guy, Jimmy Savoy, I see him right here, you know? And uh, so, but anyway, the jury, they never had any evidence. So the jury had recommended him life in prison. And the, the, uh, the judge, his name was Stan Kaplan. I used to, his nickname was uh, Death on Wheels because he was in a wheelchair. Oh, man. One of them dudes had been in a wheelchair since he had polio as a kid, you know what I mean? This is a tough-ass dude, man. So he basically told the jury, he looked over the jury, and he says, hey, you know, no offense, but you've been bamboozled by one of the best attorneys in the land. And, you know, Ray Thompson believed in capital punishment, and that's what Ray Capital, and that's what Ray's going to get. He will be put to death in the state of Florida's electric chair. And he, oh. he gave him the death penalty. And Ray sat on death row for 15 years, and they, they didn't have any evidence. It was just the one guy, Bobby Vegas, saying, hey, I saw I saw Ray shoot this guy in the, in the back of the head and throw him in the water. Wow. And, he got, and there was no evidence just from, that, just from that psycho. Basically, the guy, Bobby Vegas, what he had did was, uh, <clears throat> well, just to tell you real quick, when when Ray when Ray shot that guy in the back of the head, the guy Jimmy Savoy that sold the sold six hundred grand from him, then he went to the to police and told him, hey, this is his marina right here. He brings in you know tons of weed. This is his house over here. This is other properties. And then, you know he had keys, the safe deposit box that he gave the guy Jimmy to hold for him that had cash in them in banks, you know. And uh, so Jimmy gave all the stuff to the to the police. That's why he had moved back to South Florida. He because he had a girlfriend down there, and he thought if he kept calling the police, they would get enough stuff on Ray where they'd arrest him, and he would be free and have all the money and live right a nice life. You know, not live a nice life with the what's left of the six hundred grand. You know, yeah. And uh, but I guess his karma was that you know they found his ass. You know, and mm. and uh, yeah. So so the only evidence they had was the guy Bobby Vegas. He had come over to Robert's house, the house that I used to hang out as a kid, and him and Robert and the guy Bobby Vegas, they weren't they weren't friends at that time. Even though they worked for Ray, you know, a couple of years back, they just weren't they hadn't been talking. And Bobby Vegas just comes over his house wearing a wire, and he starts talking to Ray, or he starts talking to starts talking to Bobby. And he's like, "Hey, man, you know, I remember that day that Ray killed fucking Jimmy Savoy," and he's like. And Bobby, you know, the guy that I know, Robert, he wasn't really saying anything because he don't run his mouth. He just don't say anything. Right. And uh, so he didn't say shit. And, and he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah, I remember that day. And that's about all Robert said. And then Bobby Vegas is like, man, he said he was going to give us all 50 grand a piece for finding that guy and all that shit, man. He never gave me no money. And he asked, he asked Robert, you know, the guy that I knew, he goes, did he ever give you any money? And Robert's like, no, I never got no money out of that either, you know. And that's the only thing Robert ever said. But basically, that's kind of agreeing with him. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, right. that was that was it enough to put him in the put him in the electric chair, man. Jeez. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Oh, yep. And Ray, Ray thought he was gonna walk. He thinks I'm, I'm gonna walk to going to the electric chair. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, let you know. Uh, and kind of asked you know before we started to roll if you would want to read like uh some of your book 
I don't know if you have like a page or two that, that you have right now, but um, what was that like for you? Like, cause just me listening right now, I'm just like, Oh my yeah. God, this is this. I mean, these are, this is really stuff that books, <laughs> like what your book, right. What movies yeah. are made of and exactly. that's wild and crazy. <clears throat> what was it like for you? To be there, and obviously you you were in prison, right? Or you were sitting in prison on was it through the window, or, or were you able guys to sit? Yeah, we, we had like a like an area where you could sit. I mean, I couldn't bring in any notebooks or anything like that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, tell you the truth, man. I mean, I, he he would he would always you know uh, visiting. I think was over like three o'clock, and at two thirty, anybody that's outside sitting at the tables out there, you have to come indoors. And so a lot of times I didn't get there that early and he'd be like, yeah, man, you're getting here late. But truthfully, man, I, I, man, I had to you know, do a couple of shots of tequila before I could even go in that place, man. It just, uh, first couple of times I, I went there, I didn't realize it. Then after I was like, man, shit, I gotta, I gotta drink something right to deal with this, man. Cause, uh, I, I don't even know if I, I might've had a shot the first time I went there, but I just remember it was just a, just a really, just a negative feeling, man. That's heavy, man. That's yeah. heavy. Yeah, That's I told heavy. this guy that I originally paid to write the book back then, you know, I told him, I said, man, I went to the prison. I said, man, it's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling, man. And, and he said, yeah, there's no quote, something about he he abandoned all hope, as, you know, as, he, as you uh, pass. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's that's what it felt like, you know. It's just, I mean, the first time I went there, man, I was seeing like buzzards flying up there, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I was like, man, this is, uh, this is this is rough, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do have a little bit I can read here, and and the, the yeah. guy, yeah, you know, the please guy, do. The, the guy Bobby Vegas. I mean, that's what I was going to tell you, kind of how the story how the story worked as far as not not necessarily what what I'm going to read here. What I'm going to read is kind of a, a little bit of when they find the guy, Jimmy Savoy, and they have him on a boat and they're actually going to kill the guy. But uh, the, the thing that, the thing that's the shocker about it is um, uh, the guy, basically after they shoot the guy, Jimmy Savoy, because they shot him, he Ray killed him on March 12th of 1982. And nine months after that, his, he has a seven-year-old son and Ray lives in like an island, gated island community. You know, you got to go through a security and all this crap, you know, to, to get to his own personal house. Wow. And he had a he had a big old condo building and he gave everybody that worked for him a room. They all had their own room and basically no wives were allowed at this building. You know, it was just, it was just for the men and all the all the women that yeah. they would bring there, you know. And, and uh but but anyway, so when, when Ray killed the guy Jimmy Savoy, his son, two days before Christmas, he you know, he asked his dad, um, hey, you know, can I can I ride my bicycle? He gave him his bicycle early Christmas present. And he says, Yeah, he goes, Yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. And his son's name is Charlie Boy. So Ray, Ray's life was he was up for six days straight. He didn't go to sleep for six days. He would he would snort an ounce of coke a day. Basically carried an ounce of coke with him, a whole bunch of money and a gun everywhere he went every day. And he was up for six days straight and he would take a bunch of quaaludes and sleep for a day. 24 hours he would sleep and get back up. That's that's what he did, man. Wow. So he came home and his son's like, hey, you know, can I get this present? He's like, yeah, go ahead. 
and his, the, the mom was out Christmas shopping because it's two days before Christmas. And so Ray says, yeah, go ahead. You can go show your buddy down the street the bike. And Ray's laying on the couch. And he says, next thing I know, you know, the lady, the maid's beating on the door. He goes, I'm opening the door and she's screaming. He goes out there and seven-year-old son. Basically, a lady came home from a Christmas party. She was drinking a big old like 70s Cadillac, you know. Oh, she takes the boy. She has Charlie boy, drags him 100 feet under the car and drags his bike another 100 feet. Oh, my God. His bike's ejected out of the back of the car with no skid marks. So Ray goes out there and basically picks up the seven-year-old son off the ground. And every picture I've ever seen of him, you know, with his son, he's holding him, kissing him, hugging him. I mean, he definitely was in love with his son. And it, when his son died, it just fucked him up. You know, he said he moved. Yeah. He didn't want to get, he couldn't even live around the house. He thought he thought about was his son out in the street and kind of screwed the guy up really bad. Yeah. <clears throat> after, after the funeral, the guy, Robert, his girlfriend that, that, that used to come over to her house, she was like a freaking model. You know what I mean? So me and my brothers, every time they came over and she were coming over in a bathing suit and all that shit. Right here. We're trolling, you know, little kids, man, we're freaking trolling over his health. And, uh, but she had told me when they, when they, when they buried him, the boy, Charlie boy, Ray was the last one over there at this coffin before they lowered it in them. She said he took off like a $60,000 ring he had, most expensive ring he had on his finger. She said he took it off and put it right in the kid. I guess they put a suit on the kid, you know, and put in the kid's suit pocket before we you know, dropped him, lowered him in there. And, uh, you know, she asked me, she, she said she stayed with him after the kid was killed. They stayed at his house because Robert and his girlfriend, Gail, they were kind of like Ray's family. They were like, a, they were like his kids, kind of, you know, because Robert was, Ray was older. He was like in his early 50s and they're in their early 20s, you know. So they looked at Ray as like not only his boss, but kind of like his dad, too, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they stayed there. So she... Gail tells me she goes in and talks to Ray one day. He's in the living room watching the football game on TV a couple of days after his funeral. And it's got to be some kind of a, a football game right around Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving or some, somewhere one of them around them days. I couldn't pinpoint the, the football game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was in there watching the game and she came in there and she said, I sat down next to him and she's like, how you, how you doing? Where are you doing okay? Like, I don't know, I'm not doing too good. He goes, I've, I've watched this football game four times because I, I couldn't tell you who wins the game. Mm. You know, it's like, believe me, think what's going on in this freaking guy's mind, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the guy, the guy, Bobby Vegas, he worked for Ray, and Ray always took care of him, you know. And so when Ray quit, after his son got killed, he just kind of got out of the stuff. He didn't want to deal with it anymore. And he went up to Chicago where his parents lived, where he was originally from. Mm. And he stayed up there. Well, the guy, Bobby Vegas, he takes off to California and he hooks up with some, some guy that's got a, a bunch of mountains out there full of marijuana plants. And somehow him and that guy get into it. That guy ends up missing. And the feds, they, they, they're the police or whatever, whoever was looking for him out in California, they couldn't find out anything. So then he gets another partner, the guy, Bobby Vegas, and he has a, the problem with that guy, next thing you know, he pulls out his gun. The guy's getting in his car, and he starts just shooting at the guy's car when he leaves. And uh, he's like, well, I didn't think it was no big deal. I'm just shooting at his car. It's like, no, dude, it's a big deal. So he was facing he was facing some, some prison time out in California back then for that, you know. 
And uh, that's when he told him, hey, I can get you a big Coke dealer out of Miami. And he was basically talking about Ray. And yeah. Ray was a big Coke dealer. And he's like, hey, I can, I can get you, man. He's one of the biggest Coke dealers. I used to work for him, you know. And Ray never was a Coke dealer. Ray imported marijuana. Yeah. yeah. His job. Wow. And uh, so he called, so Bobby Vegas, he called Link Ray from California. Knowing that the feds are there, they probably got the wire, the phone tapped. And he's like, hey, Ray, I'm not in California, man. I'm just having a hard time making ends meet out here, you know. How's, how's, how you doing? And uh, Ray's like, well, I'm here in Chicago. And, you know, Ray had a bar up there, a pretty good-sized bar. And uh, they remodeled it. So he basically, it was called the Farm Man. I guess it's like a hotel and a country western bar restaurant. But uh, so he he uh, he said, this is where I'm at now. I'm not really in Miami. I go back down and I'm not there right now. So uh, Bobby Vegas is like, yeah, I'm just trying to, I need some help. And so Ray was like, hey, uh, you know, come out here, man. I can, I'll get you a place and, you know, get you set up. You can work for me around the farm, man. I'll get you doing something. I'll get you a job doing something. And Ray didn't even know he was working for the feds. Uh, he comes out there, Ray, Ray yeah. buys his car, you know, gets him an apartment, puts uh, furniture in the apartment and paying him. And Ray was just telling me, he's like, Ray's like, man, the guy was just pissing me off. You know, he you know, I'm giving him free food, and that's a nice freaking place. And he's just every day, man, he's eating the nicest shit on the menu, you know, just just taking advantage of you. He said, I finally told him, look, man, you have to buy your own food, man. I can't I can't give you just unlimited food all you want every day, you know. You got your wife coming here, you know, you're bringing your kid here and feeding all you guys, man. And I'm not helping you out, but Sorry felt like he was getting taken advantage of, you know. And and uh, so, you know, then, then he said, you know, Bobby Vegas would come there with his own McDonald's wrappers, Burger King and shit, just kind of leave it around. He'd have to yell at him about picking up after himself. And the last time he ever saw saw uh, Bobby Vegas was Bobby Vegas had come into the farm in and he talked to Ray and he said, hey, you know, the, the feds keep coming around my house are making me nervous. They keep asking about Jimmy Savoy, you know? Yeah. And Ray, and he's wearing a wire on there talking to Ray saying this shit, you know? And all this shit that Ray's done for this guy yeah and uh and uh, ray was ray ray just said hey i don't know what you're talking about man they don't have nothing they're just fishing in the dark if they had something they had already been here already and that was the only thing that ray said and bobby was like fuck it i'm out of here man i'm, I'm all on ass and ray's like i'm not going anywhere i'm going to florida in a week and i'm going there to take care of some business and nobody tells me where i'm going and bobby vegas is fucking i'm out of here he said i'm taking off and he left, and within a couple of minutes, just a whole bunch of Fed cars came and swarmed the place. Ray heard him, and he tried to take off out the back the back door, but they had already were around the back door, you know, the weapons drawn. So they they did get him, you know, and Man. the guy turned on him. Man. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, total portrayal. So that's kind of way. He had kind of like a hard feelings towards me because he felt, hey, man, everybody I've ever known, man, yeah. turned on me. Exactly, you know? yeah. Why, why are you any different? And I, it took me a while to where he realized I was just a construction guy. And and uh, I wanted to try to write a book, but, you know, truthfully, man, shit, I got an eighth grade education, man. You know, so it was a, it was a, it was a hell of a process for me. You know, and I spent a lot of money, a lot of money. And yeah, I got like 50 grand out of my pocket. And, yeah. Thousands of hours of, of my own research, reading, and just uh, just all these different stories. Going to the, the you know, spent months at the courthouse, you know. Just, yeah. It's an yeah. obsession, man. It came up. It was something that I thought was kind of cool. And then the more I got into it, I just I couldn't believe it. It was, and they say the truth is stranger than fiction. Man. Yes. It is. You couldn't write this story to make it any 
crazier than stuff, you know. But uh, the part that I have is is uh, basically when they they have the guy Jimmy said went on the boat. And when they finally take him out on a the boat, they, they're in a thirty foot scarab, and that day it just happens to be like eight to ten foot uh, swells, you know. And they're in a thirty foot scarab, so it was a pretty it was a pretty uh, pretty crazy day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. But uh, but if you like, I can read that. You know, yeah, read absolutely. Okay, so this is Ray basically telling the guys that were on the boat. You know, this is about this is about right before they kill him. Says Ray shouted, "Bring that motherfucker over here!" This is as far as we're going. Bobby Vegas said, "Come on, Jimmy, get the fuck up." Pat added, "Yeah, come on, Jimmy, let's fucking go." Ray was looking at the ocean. All right, Rabbit, slow this motherfucker down so we can get this fuck to the back of the boat. Rabbit basically is the guy, Robert, that I know. That was his nickname, Rabbit, because he was just so fast. He was a kid, man. And he, like I said, man, he, he just, they were like, he was, he was like unscared of getting busted, you know? But right, so that's, so that's Rabbit. Um, so it's like, so Rabbit says, 10 4 Ray, I'll put it in neutral. Bobby and Pat drug, drag Jimmy Savoy to the back of the boat. You don't look so good, motherfucker, Ray said, looking at Jimmy's battered body. I told you, Jimmy, nobody fucks with me. He looked over at Bobby Vegas. Vegas, give me that gun. Bobby pulled out the gun from his holster and handed it to Ray. Ray ordered Bobby Vegas and Pat, hold that motherfucker over the side of the boat. He placed the gun in the back of Jimmy's head. So long, motherfucker, he said, and pulled the trigger. Jimmy's body slumped over. His head was... Blasted off from a single 38 caliber hollow point bullet. Pat threw the weights overboard, pulling Jimmy's nearless headless body down into the water. Pat and Bobby looked down into the remarkably clear water. They watched Jimmy's body and the trail of blood coming from what was left of his head disappear into the depths. Bobby and Vegas waved cheer cheerfully. See you later, Jimmy, you motherfucker. Break this gun down and get rid of it. Ray threw the gun to Bobby Vegas. Ray looked over at Rabbit, which was my buddy, you know, who looked very troubled. Looked like he had just seen a ghost, is what mm. Ray called me, you know? And uh and so Ray says to Rabbit, You see what just happened here today, Rabbit? Rabbit tried to pull himself together and he said, I didn't see anything, Ray. Ray said, That's right. That's right, Rabbit. What happened here never happened. Mm. Ray leaned over the side of the boat to clean the blood, hair, and brain off of his hands and arms in the water. It looked like the ocean was willing to drag him away with the force of the waves. Ray stood up undisturbed, then he frowned, looking at the deck. Hey, Bobby, get those towels and clean up this blood and hair all over the fucking boat. And uh, basically... Wow. He said after that, it took like an hour for them to get home because they, they, they were in the intercoastal and it's a no-wake zone, so they're just kind of idling the whole time. And they got the uh -huh. dude down in the bottom of the – in the little cabin of this. Like it's basically a speedboat. You know, it's got a little cabin in there. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I think truthfully is what makes it so freaking awesome is – Oh, yeah. That scene right there, not only – you know, you hear, you know, Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. Right. Kind of lame, you know what I mean? In a way, it's like, okay, well, we did something in Vegas, but you know, we did it, but we're gonna leave it there. And this is this is just like, hey, I just blew this guy's fucking brains out, but it never happened. So that's all you need yeah. to know. 
Shit never right. happened. You know, right? You know, I'm 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 looking at, at your book cover, and that's exactly what happens in Miami never happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's wild, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that saying. Isn't it freaking awesome, man? Yeah, yeah. I and, love that. You can't get no hardcore than that, man. I don't care what anybody says, man. I, I just, I, I mean, I mean, I know it sounds sick, man, but I, I honestly, I would, I would love to see somebody that could play Ray Thompson, the guy that's. Yeah, I was gonna pretty, say this story's uh, very cinematic. You know, I mean, who the hell could play this guy and play it off like he's that freaking man been doing coke and blow the guy's brains out? You know, what I mean, and. But 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 Benicio del Toro sounds like he could do ooh, a good job ooh. at it. Yeah, you know who I originally thought originally thought was uh, would have been good would have been James Con and Scott Con. You know because oh James Conn yeah. the one in prison. You know looking back, yeah. Scott could have played the younger one, and yeah. and it would have been so good because you know James was involved with some some uh, some people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know yeah. Some people. And and his son was born exactly one year and one week uh, after the boy Charlie Boy was wow. born. Yeah, and you know the same height. Ray was five six. Them guys are about five six, same height, wavy hair, same kind of color hair, wavy hair, wild hair. I was like, man, that could have been perfect. But I, I think I think who could pull it off? I think would be badass. Would be like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. <clears throat> that would be amazing. I have is now is is Ray is he still alive or uh, no? He's he, he he passed away. Jeez, man, shit's flying by. It's like four four years, I think. Really? So he so he died on on death row. He didn't no, find well, the end. He didn't. No, he, he got off of death row. He he got off of death row in uh, 1999. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 He was okay. on death row for 15 years. Wow. And uh, he spent the last, he went to a Martin Correctional Facility, which is in, you know, it's like Southern Florida. That's like one of the roughest prisons. He said, man, I've seen five people just get killed right in front of me there. They just beat him up. And he said, place ain't no joke. So then he got older and he, he basically never, he was never in trouble. He told me, he says he got one trouble, one time in trouble and the whole time he was in prison. And it was like the first year he was, he was in prison, he was on death row. Yeah. And it was his day to go down and see the dentist, you know. And, wow. and he's like, he's like, man, I just, my stomach didn't feel right. He was like, felt sick. He goes, man, I was just so screwed up, man. And, he, and they were like, hey, you come see the dentist. He's like, hey, you know, can I do it another day or something? I don't feel good, you know. I, I just, I don't know, my stomach's messed up and all this shit, you know. And the guy's like, well, I have to write you up. You don't, you don't want to go see the dentist today, so I got to write you up. And then, so when he went and saw the warden, and the warden's like, hey, you know, you know, the rules are I have to take something here, so I'm gonna take your radio. And he said he took his radio for like a couple hours and they gave it back to him. He says nobody ever ever got it to the whole time he was there. And uh, he uh <laughs> one time I was there, I when I was in when I was in LA, I went over to Venice Beach and I bought one of those LA Los Angeles County jail, you know, the orange t shirt. Yeah. yeah. And I, I went in there and I went in there and visited him one time when I had it on and I had another shirt, a button up shirt over the top of it. And you could get the, the prisoners would take pictures, you know what I mean? You get your picture with the with a guy or whatever you're visiting, like it's wife or husband or whatever, dad or whatever. So I had that shirt on and I kind of opened it up a little bit. I was like, check out this shirt, man. I said, You want to get a picture with this shirt? And uh, I said, me wearing this shirt. And he's like, oh, shit. He goes, yeah, what the hell? I wish I wouldn't do it, you know? And I didn't want him to get in any freaking trouble. 
yeah. and our, we go up there and the prisoner, the other oh. inmate, he's taking our picture, you know, and then, and then they got all the pictures and they're just Polaroids. We got them all stacked over there and crawled over to where the warden or whoever the lady is there, they can watch, not the warden, but whoever the hell she was that day was uh, in charge, you know. Yeah. She look at him, verify everything, and she came over to me. And this is out in the middle of the freaking woods, man. It's the only reason I could figure the logic behind it. But she's like, uh, she was. I saw them pictures, you know, with that shirt you're wearing. Because when I got done, I put my other shirt back on over the top of it, you know. I was like, you saw the pictures? She goes, oh yeah, I saw. Them. And uh, she goes, if you weren't so darn cute, she goes, you wouldn't be getting them pictures. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, so darn cute. I'm like, where the hell am I at? I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm that person out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this poor lady ain't got nothing to choose from out here, you know? <laughs> but, Eric, uh, how, how long did it take you to write your book? Well, I, I tell you, I started out the first couple of years. I, I paid a guy to write it for me. Yeah. And I paid him, I paid him 50000 And ba basically, yeah, man, I paid him everything I had. And I had a contract with a, with a publisher and, and, out in Vegas at the time. And he just couldn't get the material finished, completed at the time of the deadline. And uh, he wrote, wrote a bunch of lies. He was like saying, I've like been to Vegas and I lived in Vegas. I knew the sheriff there back in the 80s and all. I'm like, how do I know the sheriff back in the 80s, man? And he's like, he tried to make it look like Ray offered me no. to him and all that shit. I'm like, how the hell can I tell that to people? I'm like freaking 10, 12 years old. They didn't offer me to go work. You know, I, I can't be saying that kind of shit. I, I want to know the truth, man. I want to, I want to, I want the truth. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The truth, you know? And uh, so <clears throat> I'd sent what he wrote to the, the publisher in Vegas, which is Stevens Press. I mean, they were going to put in like 50 newspapers and do all the advertising for free. And I sent that to them and I said, I'm not really happy with it. And they were like, well, hey, why don't you just try writing and see, see how it goes? Yeah. Yeah. I started writing it myself, and they were like, "Hey, this is the way the story needs to be told, just like this, not not by some eighty-year-old professor." You know, nobody wants right, to right. talk like they want to hear him talk like they talked. And I was like, "Well, I grew up around them. I definitely know how they talked, and it's not not the you know the cleanest language, but that's yeah. the way they talk, man. They don't know, they know, they know like wimps there that are oh, don't say the f word around me that offends me or any that kind of crap, man. I just, I just, they were hardcore people. I mean, right." But uh, I, I, I personally think the guy Ray was, I, I think it was one of the hardcore, most hardcore, toughest guys, if you call him a gangster or whatever, and in our lifetime, man. I mean, Al Capone, he's, that was before our time. Yeah. But as far as like a guy that's just just, just fearless, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he took a guy, just real quick, he, he, the guy, he brought in a bunch of weed for a Spanish guy. And it was supposed to be like a couple hundred thousand pounds. The guy said, I got a freighter out there. Can you get the weed for me? That's what Ray did. Ray didn't buy the stuff. He just, he knew where to get it and he knew and he distributed it. He basically was an importer. He smuggled it. And if he smuggled in 100,000 pounds, he got a third of it. He got 33,000 pounds of it. And then he would sell his part. You know, so if he brought in 200,000 pounds, he got 66,000 pounds. You know, and that's that's just that's just the way it worked. You know, he got a third. That's just the way the business was. And uh, so the guy said, hey, I got 200,000 pounds out there. So Ray gets his guys out there and he sends all his boats. And there's only like 100,000 pounds on the boat. So it's like 50-something million short. And they're thinking like maybe he, Ray stole the Ray stole the shit. And Ray's like, hey, no, man, my word's everything, man. I, I, everything I do is my word, my reputation. When I tell you to do something, I do it. And I don't play games. And he was a real serious man about that. Yeah. And uh, so the boat comes back short. And he 
So he's got to have a meeting with the head Cuban guy. And he's, they set up a meeting. So Ray's sitting there like the next morning eating breakfast, waiting for the, waiting for this guy, Jose, to show up. And he says, next thing I know, I got four, four freaking machine guns poking me in the back of my head while I'm eating breakfast, you know? Jeez. And the Spanish guy's like, get, get the fuck up. You're coming with us now. You know, while he's sitting there eating, he's like, he says to me, he goes, you know, he said, man, he pissed me off. He said, I said to him, who the fuck do you think you are going to interrupt my fucking breakfast? Because I'll get up and fucking go when I'm done eating my fucking breakfast. You know what I'm like? I said, you said that shit to him? You know, <laughs> I was pointing back at him. He goes, yeah, man, he was fucking pissed me off. You know? And then and then I just I had to go visit him a couple other times because that shit amazed me so much. I forgot to ask him what the hell happened after that. You know what I mean? What happened? <laughs> and I said, shit, I got next time I go there, I got to fucking ask him, like, what the hell happened, dude, after that? You know? I said, did they have your food or whatever? You know? And he goes, he goes, no, one of them came around me. He took the fucking the barrel and he started poking me in my eye with it, you know? And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I got to get up, you know? But they get, they kidnapped him. They had him for like a week, you know? Oh, and, uh, he, he basically was at a hotel down there, and he got the guy Bobby Vegas. He told them that Bobby Bobby Vegas had just started working for him then, and he told them that Bobby Vegas was like his nephew. And he said, "Hey, I'll let my nephew come here. You guys hold my nephew, and and I'll go get you. I'll go get your money, and I'm gonna figure out what the fuck's going on because I didn't steal your shit, you know." Um, so so and Ray's got like an ounce of coke on him, so he's down to like his last couple, like uh. Those, those shots of coke basically not shots but a little bit you know right. all, all done you know and, he, and he's in this hotel room he's got he's got like there's like four Colombians and Cuban or some shit Cuban and Colombians and uh, he, he's they're looking at him do his coke and shit you know and he's calling people trying to get him to bring up you know 50 million just to get the fuck out of there nobody can get that kind of money like his girlfriend and shit they can't get that kind of money for him but they can get like 5 million but they can't get the 50 so he uh, he's like snorts the rest of his coke and he's looking at the window over there and he he says they see me looking at the window you know and he goes they they could they were reading my mind the guy's like oh you you're crazy you think you're crazy motherfucker huh you think you're gonna jump through that window you're gonna take off and jump through that window he's like yeah he goes yeah I'm a crazy motherfucker yeah and then that's what I he goes that's what I just might fucking do you know and the guy's like he's like yeah try it motherfucker you know and he goes we're all gonna blow fucking holes in you before you hit the fucking glass you know man. So he, so he finally, he, Ray goes over and he, he looks out the window and he notices, like, like he had like bikers, man. I was, he had like, he told me, he, said, he looked out the window, must have been a hundred people out there. He said, man, it was prostitutes out there. He said, all these people look through to come there and try to save his ash. He goes, fucking biker gang was there. You know, he goes, my guys were there. <laughs> he goes, I can't believe this shit. He, you know, finally told him, look, you know. I don't leave here. You know, you see what the hell's going on out here. It ain't, it's not going to be pretty for anybody. So just let me go and get this shit straightened out and I'll talk to your boss. We'll, we'll figure it out. And so basically Ray hauled ass over to, uh, to the, the, the Bahamas. He flew over to Bahamas and they were, they, they, you know, heard that somebody had raided the, the freighter. That's what, that's what happened. It was going and raided. And so somebody is still like a hundred thousand pounds off of it before Ray got there. And uh, so Ray had found that out. And then he went back and he finally met the guy, Jose, at a warehouse down in Miami. And he went inside the warehouse and Ray went up there in a van. And he went in there and he talked to Jose and he said, hey, man, you know, I got word. They called the monkeys. That's what Ray said. He goes, they just called the monkeys out there. They wouldn't, 
jump on the boat, man, with machine guns, and they fucking kill everybody on the damn boat. And mm. Take all the weed, coke, whatever drugs were on there, and they said it was, it was it was an everyday thing to find boats just out there floating with blood on them and marijuana residue just floating out of the middle of the freaking ocean, you know? God. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's pretty pretty popular. But uh, that's that's what it that's what it came down to. But but uh so he went in and he told and he told the guy who was there, he goes, Hey man, I got word that the monkey stole this shit. It wasn't me and and Ray even knew like the police chief over there in, in Bimini at that wow. time. And uh, so he could kind of back it up with some facts that the actual local cops knew about. And he, and he just told the guy, Jose, and he was like, well, you know, I don't know, man. And Ray said, look, I got that white van out there, man. I got like 10 people out there with machine guns and rocket launchers. If I'm out of this fucking warehouse in 15 minutes, they're going to be blazing right through that door and they're going to come in and shoot. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, Eric. Man, your stories are absolutely unbelievable. And I mean, just listening to you talk about them, I can't even imagine. And and actually hearing you read your portion of the book. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. Before we wrap up, do you think that that Ray would like what what you've done? Because this is his legacy, right? How do you do? You think he he'd he'd like it? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think he'd uh, I think he'd like it. I have a I have a picture. Like I don't know how much time you have, but I have a picture of Ray, and Ray's uh, it's got Ray. It's got a couple other people, couple other characters in it. One of them is a guy that his family doesn't want his name mentioned, but his he was he was a famous his nickname was Billy Muscles, the big dude. He, Used to race NASCAR, was a pro powerboat racing champion, and he fled the he fled the country. And I heard that that dude had like eight hundred million in capital when he left the country. Jeez. And he went he went to Spain, and uh, when all the shit started going down with Ray and everything, he just hauled ass. He left the country when he got caught in Spain. He had all these crazy weapons and stuff, you know. So they threw the book at him, and I didn't like the weapons and stuff. So. He finally decided he was just running. He went to Brazil and he said, screw it. I'm going to come back home. I want to face the music. So this guy's a freaking millionaire. He comes back home and uh, he, he gets eight years. Right? He gets eight years and they we, we give him you know, seven years. They put him out on parole. And uh, he, uh, they, they tell him, hey, you got to get a job. You know, when you're out on parole, you got you to have a job. You got to talk to your, your employment and all that. He goes, I don't, I don't have to work. I don't need any money. I don't have to work. And they said, well, to be on parole, you need to get a job. Because you know, I'll tell you what, just put my ass back in that fucking prison and I'll do my, my other year without you motherfuckers getting in my business to never see me again. That's what he did. He went back to prison. And when he got out of prison, first thing he did is he wanted to go see Ray. Yeah. yeah. So Ray's step, Ray stepson told me he rode with him, the guy Billy Muscles, and they hauled ass to see Ray at the prison. And, uh, he, he said they fist bumped. This is what the son the steps up told me that Ray and the guy Billy Billy Muscles they fist bumped. He said it was like verbatim. They said at the same time, friends to the end, motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, so Ray had told me that uh, the guy Billy had come there again, and Billy was a big bodybuilder, man. He's a fucking big guy, man. He was six five, huge man, like the Rock could play that dude, man. And, and he was he 
used to give his money away. He'd win races and give the shit to other people and shit. He never took another winnings or nothing. He he just loved the excitement of it. But he went went met Ray one time and Ray Ray was telling me about it. He said, man, he goes, yep. Billy came up to meet me and he said, I wanted to ask him for fifty grand. You know, he put fifty grand in the thing for me. You know. He said, Billy started telling me, oh, man, I don't know, Ray, my, my heart's not doing too good. I think I'm going to have a heart attack, you know. And Ray's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? All you've ever, ever done in your life is lift weights and eat, right? You know, you might even have a freaking heart attack. Ray's like, you started telling me about having a heart attack. Man, I couldn't ask for 50 grand. <laughs> and he was shit, man. And then, like, a couple months later, he freaking died. And he wasn't uh-huh. even cool. But he was, he, was a, he was a big dude. But the picture has him. And another guy named Jimmy Capilano, he was actually holding Charlie Boy. It was the day of Charlie Boy's, uh, uh, the, the day they baptized Charlie Boy. And the guy that the guy that's holding him, his name is Big Jim. And he he used to be, he was friends with Ray too. That, that guy, he went to some, he, he was with the New York Mafia too, man, the Italian Mafia. There was a guy in Fort Lauderdale. It's called the 1976 uh, Shootout. And uh, they, these three, three big ass dudes go to this guy's house, go to his apartment. They knock on the door. They open the door, and the guy, the guy that owes the mob fifty grand up in New York, he's he, the guy Jimmy that's holding Charlie Boy. You know, he says, he says, hey, uh, you know, give us the money. He says, I don't have the money. He says, I want all your jewelry and the linking out there. We want the title for it. And the wife, she's like, fuck you, you ain't getting shit, you ain't motherfucker coming here. And uh, so, so Big Jim, he tells, he tells one of the guys that's with him, he says, shoot him. Well, the fucking dude has a fully automatic weapon right underneath the, mm. the dining room table. He fucking puts 13 holes in Big Jim and like 10 in the other one, like eight in the other one. Blows and kills every one of them right there in the fucking front door. And he walks from self-defense. And that guy was murdered. I, I think I think we're gonna have to have you back on exactly. This, yeah, this all is all your stories, program. man. This is amazing. Um, uh, really quick, Eric, I have one more question before Eric Kasloff, you wrap up. But where can we get your book? Um, it's at EricCurtisSandyAuthor.com. Okay. And as I was waiting for the ISBN number and stuff like that, and as I'm talking to you, this shows oh, okay. email that shows the ISBN number back. So, wow, it should be up and uh, hopefully this week. Awesome. Okay, awesome. so links yeah. will be in the description if you're listening in on Anchor. Yes, yes, we will have you back on. Okay, uh, good, sir. Mr. Eric, thank you so much uh, again. Thanks for being on the show, and I uh, can't yeah. wait to have you back. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me promote it. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, Eric, we thanks, just want Eric, we just want to thank you one more time for coming on the show today. All of his links will be in the description. And hey, like we say each and every week here, remember everybody, support our troops.